the last few weeks we've been going through a few different books in Acts, uh, looking at the, the early church and their proclamations about Jesus, mainly so far through the, the preaching of the Apostle Peter about you know, Jesus, His power, Him being the Messiah, Him being the one all the prophets pointed to, all His, his wonders and, and signs and miracles, and through His death, that crucifixion, that how God used evil men to accomplish His plan of salvation, and how God also rose Him from the dead. And that's, in a nutshell, the, the good news of the Gospel. <clears throat> And I loved how we talked last week about how God is using ordinary people for extraordinary things. I just, I love that. I can't get that out of my head. And how the church continued to grow and grow and grow. And as we'll see this morning through a little bit of the persecution. But people were, it said the people were being cut to the heart. They were saying, what shall we do? Repent and be born again was the answer that Peter gave them. Last week, he even went a little further. There's salvation in no one else. No other name under heaven giving them men by which we must be saved. So this morning, we're going to jump over a little bit to chapter 10. And we're going to read about nine verses here. Follow the Lord here for a little bit. Be much in prayer for us. So Acts chapter 10, starting at the 34th verse. So Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly I understand that God shows no partiality. But in every nation, anyone who fears Him and does what is right is acceptable to Him. As for the word that He sent to Israel, preaching good news and peace through through Jesus Christ, He is Lord of all. You yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning with Galilee, after the baptism that John proclaimed. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all that he did both in the country of the Jews and in in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree, but God raised him on the third day and made him appear, not to all the people, but to us who had been chosen by God as witnesses, who ate and drank with him after he arose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him, all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. And we'll stop right there. So we jump past a few chapters and you can go back and read. There's some really good stuff in those. Uh, the, The fifth chapter goes into the story of Ananias and his wife. How they will let me back up a little bit. So as the church continues to grow, they start putting all their all their stuff together, all the unity to go help people. So you had people going out and selling fields, and they would give all their money to the apostles, and then they would go help or do what they needed to do. Well, Ananias and his wife had this master plan. We'd sell ours and only give them some of it, but say it was all of it. Has anybody ever heard that story? What happened to them? They both died for lying immediately. And then in chapter 6, we see the, the first set of deacons established. There was some, some groaning among the people that they weren't taking care of widows like they should. And that's where we get introduced to Stephen. 
<clears throat> there were six other, six other deacons as well. And then it goes into to Stephen's arrest. And the, you know, they, they lied and said that he was blaspheming. And they arrested him. And then he, he went into the big story going back all the way to Abraham. You know, through Abraham, through Jacob, through Isaac, through Moses, on and on and on and on and on. And then he said, he called him out. He said, but you guys don't believe. You guys don't believe. And that enraged all those Jewish leaders. And then he said he saw God. Or he saw Jesus on God's right hand. And then they cast him out and stoned him and killed him. So he became that first martyr, if you will, of the church. And that's when all the, the craziness began to happen with the persecution. And that's also when we, we hear about a man named Saul of Tarsus. Because he consented to Stephen's death. And he, he began persecuting the church. And during that time, many of the believers scattered. But God's word continued to go out. The gospel continued to be preached. Acts chapter 8 is where the Ethiopian eunuch had, had his conversion experience with Philip. And then in chapter 9, again, this is just quick summaries. In chapter 9, again, that's where we see Saul's conversion on the road to Damascus. And I love this. The Lord told Ananias that Saul was a chosen vessel to carry his name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. And miraculously, it's pretty amazing if you think about it. It wasn't many days after that, Saul began preaching the gospel, the good news of Jesus. Pretty amazing to me. So he was persecuting the church. And then he was preaching the gospel of the church he was persecuting few days later. Just absolutely amazes me. Absolutely amazes me. So then we get to chapter 10. And it, it, it starts out with a Roman centurion named Cornelius. Anybody ever heard that story? It's awesome. And I don't want to read through all of it. But Cornelius, he was a man who feared God, it says, with all his household. He gave to the poor, prayed continually to God. He had a vision. He had a vision. God said, Cornelius, send him down after this man named Simon Peter and have him come. And what did Cornelius say? <coughs> yes, Lord. Didn't question it. Didn't ask for anything. Yes, Lord. I'll do it. So he sent him down to, to Joppa. To call Simon Peter. And it just so happened at that same time, Peter also had a vision. He was praying, and as some of us can attest to, sometimes when we're praying, other things start distracting us. This one was food, so that happens quite often. Does that happen to anybody else? So as he's praying, he starts getting hungry. And he had a vision. He had a vision. It says he saw the heavens open and something like a great sheep descending, being let down by its four corners upon the earth. In it were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air. And there came a voice to him saying, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. Rise, Peter, kill and eat. And what's he say? No, Lord. 
Complete opposite of this Roman Gentile. No, Lord. I can't do that. That'll make me unclean. If you go back all the way to the Old Testament, there were animals they could that were clean and unclean. And he's basically saying, I've never put anything in my body that was unclean or common. Nope, can't do it. Sorry. Then the voice came again. What God has made clean, do not call common. And it says this all happened three times. Is that a coincidence? That three times with Peter? Did that click in anybody's head? Three times? Three times he denied Christ? Three times he got asked, do you love me, Peter? What three times? Three times. It's like, at what point do you think it started clicking in his head? Like he's just talking about food. Then it so happened, a voice told him, there's three men coming to get you. Don't worry, I sent them. I sent them. It says, behold, three men are looking for you. Rise and go down and accompany them without hesitation, for I have sent them. And you can go back and read all this in the 10th chapter. I'm just kind of browsing through here to get to the part we want to get to. So they got there and he invited them into his house. Which was kind of a big step for Peter. It really doesn't go into a lot of detail until later. But these were Gentiles. Jewish people couldn't they couldn't mingle with Gentiles. Why? They would be considered unclean. So he went against everything he's always learned. And he invited them to be his guests in his house. He didn't say, eh, sorry, I'll see you tomorrow. I'll go find somewhere. He invited them in. So then the next day they rose and they went to Caesarea where Cornelius was. And as soon as they got there, Cornelius falls down at his feet, worshiping him. And Peter's like, stand up, man. I'm a guy just like you. Stand up. And when he went in, here, I'll just read, start reading the 27th verse here. As he, and as he talked with him, he went in and found many persons gathered. And he said to them, you yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or to visit anyone of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without objection. I asked them, why are you sent for me? And Cornelius shares his vision of what he saw. Says your prayer has been heard and your alms have been remembered before God. Send therefore to Joppa and ask for Simon, who is called Peter. He is lodging in the house of Simon a tanner by the sea. So I sent for you at once, and you have been kind enough to come. Now therefore we are all here in presence of God to hear all of you who have been commanded to hear all that you have commanded by the Lord. And that brings us to what we read there. So then Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly I understand that God shows no partiality. 
But in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. Pretty amazing if you think about it. And you know, we talked about God's will a little bit this morning in, in Sunday school, you know, whether or not to know God, how you know God's will. And, and this stuff didn't just happen by accident. It just so happened, as Tony's preached before, it just so happened. It just so happened. But Peter explains to them. You know, it's against Jewish customs for me to come into your house, to even associate with you. But God is teaching me otherwise. God is showing me there's more than what meets the eye. You know what amazes me about this whole story? This is Peter. This is Peter who spent time with Christ. And we beat ourselves up sometimes. This was Peter who was with Christ. And he didn't get it. And then he starts telling them about Christ. He starts telling them about Jesus. His power, his miracles, his death and resurrection. The exact same gospel that he preached to the Jewish people. It's a little different though. A little different method. He didn't really quote any Old Testament scripture like he has in the past. In the past couple that we went over. And he also says we witnessed his miracles. He said they put him to death. But God raised him on the third day. We saw him. We spent time with him. We ate with him. He was real. He resurrected. It was a little different audience. Same message. A little different audience. He commanded us to preach and testify that he is the one appointed by God to be the judge of the living and the dead. And everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. And really... That was the plan of salvation from the beginning. Yes, it was God's chosen people. But if you go back and really dive into a lot of that Abraham, many, many nations would be blessed through him. That was the plan all along. That was the plan all along. I guess where I'm going this morning. Church, who do you see out in the world? that you would consider unclean? Who do you see out in the world that you immediately think the gospel is not for them? What are your biases, your prejudices? And I think we sit back sometimes like, well, we're Christians. We don't think that way. Yeah, we do. If every one of us are real, we would acknowledge those things. We have those prejudices. We have those biases. Do you say, I'm glad I'm not like that person? I'm glad I'm not that color. I'm glad I'm not that race. I'm glad I'm not poor. I'm glad I'm not this. I'm glad I'm not that. There's no way Christ could save that person. There's no way Christ would go there. 
There's no way Christ would go to the ghetto. (laughs) Is it a certain race of people? Certain ethnicity? Is Is it a certain way that someone dresses? You know, one of the things we've talked about in the past, and I really hate it, is when people have tattoos like on their necks and stuff like that. But are you looking at those kind of people with the piercing? Oh, surely God would never save them. Surely He would never save them. The rich or the poor. Democrat, Republican. So many things separate us. But there's one thing that brings us together, and that is Christ. That is Christ. I think sometimes we get this perspective. Well, if I see a person drinking, or if I see a person cussing, if I see a person smoking, surely God won't have nothing to do with them. See all the people on, on drugs and addicted to porn and addicted to alcohol. Surely God won't have nothing to do with them. Someone in jail. Someone that cusses like a sailor. We sit back like, that's not me. We all know it is. We all struggle with it. Gay and lesbian community, same thing. Surely God wouldn't want to save them. Somebody that associates with the 900 genders or whatever the number is now. And I'm not trying to make light of things. What I'm saying is we have biases and prejudices as as the church, as as Christians, that we shouldn't have. We shouldn't have them. We shouldn't have them. Again, we sit here and act like we're perfect. That none of the stuff exists. It does exist. Look around you. We all look alike, don't we? We all dress alike. What are those things that are in your head? You know, we did a training at work not long ago about unconscious bias. And I'm like, well, if it's unconscious, how do I know I'm doing it? But we do it. We see someone and we immediately think one thing, don't we? We immediately think something. Somebody walking down the street in a hoodie. Whoa, that guy's a criminal. Somebody bumping down the street in their car. Oh, man, look at that hoodie. Don't we? Oh, surely God won't save anybody has got tattoos everywhere. Brothers and sisters, there's preachers that have tattoos everywhere. The difference is the gospel changed their life. Amen. And that's the only thing that can change their life. And I think that's why I'm preaching this message. is because unless we take the gospel of Christ to everyone, how are they ever going to see it? How are they ever going to hear it? We want people to walk in those doors that look like us and act like us and dress like us. If we really want to be the Christians that we should be, all that should matter. It should matter. And I think we really need to acknowledge those things because God knows them. He knows them. If we really want to evangelize, you know, I was thinking about this as I was studying through this. Rebecca and Andrew you know, as they go on their mission trips, do you think they're walking around beaches like, man, there's a white person, I'm going to witness to them. There's this person, I'm going to witness to them. That is the farthest thing from their heads. There is a 
person that God died for. Let me go witness to them. That's what it is. That's what it is. So we've got to get out of our comfort zone. We've got to get out of our comfort zone. And really start evangelizing. You know, I don't care if we ever grow a number in this church. I don't care. It's inside that I care about. Let's start growing inside like God wants us to and go share the gospel with people. We're so afraid of all that. We've got all these prejudices and biases in our head. And they need to go. They need to go. I think that's the big thing with the scripture. You know, I could dive in and probably do 30 different sermons on that. We've probably heard 30 of them. But this levels the playing field. This opened the gospel up to everyone. And what are we supposed to do? What were we commanded to do? What did Jesus command us to do? To go. Go spread the gospel. He doesn't say go spread the gospel to people like you. Go spread the gospel to the rich or the poor or whatever it is again. He said go. Go make disciples. Go make disciples. That's what he's commanded us to do. You know, and the thing that I just think we really need to start thinking about. And all this that we talked about this morning. We didn't deserve it either. We didn't deserve His grace either. But there was a Sunday morning. I was sitting back there at the old church. And Sister Helen came up to me and said, Bobby, you need to be saved. Kind of like in this story. God was working on both sides. He told Helen to go tell me that. And He was also working with me. We need to, to think about that and remember that. Because He's not going to put you anywhere. He doesn't want you. Go start spreading the gospel. The other thing, no matter what happens, no matter how far someone appears to go, don't ever give up on them. Don't ever give up on them. Because like I said, the only thing that can change them is the gospel. That's the only thing that can change them is the gospel. Now I can't. I think it was Sister Christie said not long ago that through the gospel she was able to change her entire life. She didn't have to go to anything for drugs or alcohol or whatever. Christ changed it all. And I think on this earth we look for everything on earth to change us, except for the one thing that truly came, and that is a relationship with Jesus Christ. Only the gospel can change lives, as we've seen. The power is in Christ and in Him alone. And I was thinking through that this little bit this morning. The prodigal son went out and done all kinds of horrible stuff. And we're back here like, yeah, God will never forgive him. He went and got rid of all his dad's money. Thought, told him he wished he was dead. Went out and partied up drugs and alcohol, women, everything. But what happened? He came to his senses. He came to his senses. He said, wait a minute. Dad's got more at home than I'll ever need. The 
Father has more than we'll ever need. We just have to look back to Him. And the the biggest thing I think that we as Christians can ever remember is Christ died for everyone. You know, I think we get up here and we say that about every week. Christ died for the world. Christ died for everyone. I really mean it. Christ died for everyone. Not just us. Not just white people. Not just black people. Not just, what's the song? Red, yellow, white, and white. Sing it, Eddie. Jesus loves you. It's, it's true. And we've, we've, we've sang that song here. But we still have these prejudices and biases. We've got to get them out. We've got to get them out. We've got to get them out. I mean, I'll tell you. Growing up, I guarantee you, I've said some things that were horribly prejudiced. The gospel has transformed me. It's transformed me. I'm starting to see people through Christ's eyes. And that's the difference. That changes everything. Like I said a few weeks ago, I was sitting up here at Kroger, just watching people going in and out. All shapes and sizes and colors. And I'm like, God, you sent your son to die for every one of them, including me. Who am I to judge them? Who are we as the church to judge people? If anybody should be loving people, it should be us. Right? Sorry, soapbox. So God shows no partiality. He opened the door for everybody to receive the gospel. Now it's our job to take it to everyone. The gospel. And I just pray as we move forward... God takes all that stuff away. Because it would drive him crazy. Well, God, he's not going to save that person. They went to rehab. He's not going to save that person. They're an alcoholic. He's not going to save that person. They cheated on their wife. He's not going to save that person. They said this or did this. Folks, we've got to let that go. Because if we're honest with us, that's every single one of us. Every single one of us don't deserve God. We don't deserve his grace. But guess what? Every single one of us that we might see a home in heaven one of these days. And I get so choked up because I know I don't deserve it. I know Bob knows is a bad person. But he died for me anyway. And he died for you anyway. And he died for everybody out here anyway. Who are we to judge people? <coughs> His grace. same gospel. You know, I think we come to church sometimes. Well, they changed this. I don't think I'll go there anymore. They don't sing the songs I like to sing. They don't do this that I like to sing. They don't shake hands. They don't run the altar. They don't do this. They don't do that. Let's just put some this like Tony always says. That's not the gospel. All that is subject to change. But the gospel will never change. And when it does, folks, something's wrong. When it does, something's wrong. We might have two TVs up here scrolling announcements. We might have 
awesome music that's starting to move a little forward. I love the hymns though. Those are never going to go away, so don't think they are. Things can change, and that's okay. Is it, people just don't like change, do they? People just don't like change. I guess what I'm trying to say is be patient. We've tried to start changing things over the last few years, and I think God is telling me we need to start looking again at that. What are we doing right? What are we doing wrong? What do we need to look at? Technology-wise, I think we're on the right track. Sorry, I'm getting soapbox. I'll, I'll stop. I'll shut up. Like I said, as long as the gospel remains, that's all that matters. It's all that matters. It's all that matters. So, Brother Mike, I'm going to ask for a verse of the song. Most about my crying and all this stuff. Folks, if you've got any of that inside, this is the perfect time to get rid of it. You've got any of those prejudices, biases? What's God want you to do? He wants you to get rid of all that so you can be a true witness for Him. Again, Peter just did it. And he was, a, he was an apostle. He was an apostle. And he still thought to be saved, to be right with God, you had to be Jewish. You had to follow the Jewish laws. You had to do this, circumcision and all that. God taught him, what I say is clean is clean. Brother Mike, first of a song. If you're here this morning, you need to pray. Come down and pray. We'll pray with you.